It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the general manager of KWM Radio, God Country, Texas. And I'm sitting with Dallas elder law attorney, Michael S. Cohen. Hello, Michael. What does the S stand for? I, you I know my middle. Hello out of it. He just yeah, a little ch- jack in the box yeah, over there. <laughs> as soon as he hears that middle initial, he can't do anything but say, "What does it stand for?" What does it stand for? My middle initial is B. So I know that every week you come up with a unique middle initial. Yes, well, we so, didn't get to discuss it last week, but S stands for Super Bowl. Oh my goodness! And maybe we should talk about the Super Bowl just for three seconds and applaud and congratulate the Kansas City Chiefs. I think of them still as the Dallas Texans because for those people who are old enough, they were the Dallas Texans when nineteen sixty to sixty two. Sixty sixty two. For for those who don't know that, the Kansas when when, uh, Lamar Hunt Uh uh, started with the AFL at that time, uh, one of the franchises was the Dallas Texans. That right? When did they move? Uh, then like 63 or, or oh. maybe 64, 63 or 64. Was, they were only here. Then. They were only here a few years. Uh, Why did they move? Do you remember that? Well, they were competing with the Dallas Cowboys. Ah, oh, that little thing. the other new franchise. Oh, okay. <laughs> I might have run away too if I were Lamar Hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's serious, yeah. formidable competition to say the least. Well, that's good. Well, it was a fun year. I don't know if the audience knows that. Um, I don't think I've ever said this on the air, but essentially. Mike knows a little bit about football. Mike knows so much about football that arguably he admits to me humbly that he invented <laughs> fantasy football. Oh, oh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Not that you're Al Gore. I'm not saying no, that. No, but no, 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 no. You wrote a book <laughs> yes. on fantasy football you told me many, many months ago. Decades ago, long before all this fantasy yeah. football stuff kicked in, that was basically what fantasy football is today. Is that fair? Yeah, we didn't call it fantasy football. No, but, but that's not my question. Is it like what fantasy yes, football is? Yes, it is. Okay. We had our own version, of course, and now there's been all sorts of different things. But, you know, I'm sure there was other people who had fantasy football as well. Wow. What was the name of the book? Uh, Big Time Football Owner. Big Time? Really? Yes. That's <laughs> a great idea. You watch, you're going to get a million sales on Amazon <laughs> tomorrow, right? <laughs> is it still for sale? I have no idea where it may be at okay. this point. <laughs> All righty. Well, good. Well, maybe the Cowboys will do it this year. I don't know. If it, What about Prescott? Keep him. Get rid of him. You have your strong opinions on well, that. Well, you know, I... I hope I only hope for the best for the Cowboys. Yeah, me too. Okay, and we hope for the best for our listeners always. And this is why we have this program. This is why Michael Cohen does it um, to reach out to individuals who aren't clear on estate planning issues and laws. In addition to government assistance, he's an expert of both of those. Can I say the word expert? Am I allowed to say uh, that word? I, I, you know, I don't know. I guess it depends on whose definition of expert. I okay. suppose. I think in financial planning, you you can't say expert or something. But in your case, I'll say you're an expert because of everything that you've taught me over the many years we've been doing this program. 
So today we want to talk about seven different types of trusts in estate planning for the audience's knowledge and yeah, consideration. Yeah, and in particular, okay, that's fine. The There's lots of different types of trusts, especially in the public benefits world, there's lots of different ones. And I thought that this might be a topic because a lot of times people think that there's only one trust out there. Mm-hmm. They think of, usually what people most often think of when they think of a trust is a revocable living trust. Okay. That's a trust usually used to avoid probate, maybe avoid guardianship. Probate, just to clarify, is like when you have a will and you have to go to court mm-hmm. to transfer title to assets. So, for example, if you had a home uh, and you were maybe – spouse had a child from a prior marriage, you would have had to, even if that was your only asset, you would have had to probate the will. And that means going to court and maybe giving notice to uh, other beneficiaries. Uh, We have one right now where the person couldn't find the original will Although we requested her to try to find that, she couldn't. Her husband had two children from a prior marriage. Um, Notwithstanding the our hopes that she could find it, she couldn't, and so now with, with a just a copy of the will, we even have to give a personal notice with citation to the children from out of state before the court will uh, have an order signed. Okay. So you you want to avoid probate for many reasons. Uh, it could be just because it's simple. Uh, to a lot of times probate's simple, but. A lot of times it's not so simple because we have another one where the, um, the, the, the notary signed on a different date than the witnesses from 20-some-odd years ago. That means that you had to either find the witnesses or have somebody identify the handwriting. Anyway, there could be things that could be simple or there could be things that could be more difficult mm-hmm. uh, on, as far as probate. So a lot of times people don't want to have to go by the state's laws, which is what you have to do when you try to probate a will to transfer title to assets. So they have trust. Now, the revocable living trust is the most common thing to use to avoid probate. You're in control. I mean, you could always revoke it. You could always amend the trust. Rarely used, though, in a public benefits uh, standpoint. Uh, there are a few limited situations where you could. The reason why uh, a revocable trust is not used in a public benefits perspective is because the uh, like, for example, we just talked about the home. If you put the home in the trust under the Medicaid rules, it would count as an asset. Normally, a home doesn't count as an asset for Medicaid, but putting the home in the trust, whether it be revocable or irrevocable, unless it was a special needs trust, would count as a resource. Uh, so now, all of a sudden, you've changed the nature of something that counts into something. I mean, that didn't count into something right. it counts. Also, for Medicaid... Uh, you, if there's a husband-wife, you have to transfer all the assets from the ill spouse to the well spouse within one, within one year. In Texas, we usually, when you have a revocable trust for a married couple, it's usually jointly. Mm. So uh, that means that there would be a loss of eligibility after a year. So usually revocable trusts are not good for public benefits planning, but they're good for probate avoidance. And you also, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, didn't you also teach us a one-time trusts are also established to avoid taxes? Well, no. You, no. Could, you could have, well, there's different types of trusts to avoid taxes. Okay. Um, a lot of times if you, 
um, you can have trust within your trust, mm-hmm. so that to to do various things. But you know, the tax, the estate tax limit is uh, right now eleven million five hundred eighty thousand uh, for a single person, mm-hmm. and you. Basically, there are ways to double that exemption. You could use your unused credit uh, nowadays. So the um, very few people feel, fit within that category. However, yesterday I had somebody that, you know, let's say was between the 5 and $10 million range. And, we, of course, the state tax law is supposed to go back down in 2026, uh, to bound to five million plus inflation, that'd probably be about six and a half million dollars by that time. And so, because of the size of their state, uh, and because we, we anticipate that it will go down uh, in 2026, and because we don't know about certain candidates um, who might possibly be elected, sure. we did some different planning with trust within the trust, so that to um, reduce the chance of there being a um, estate tax. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, you have to look at capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. You want to have some language so you can get a step-up in basis. Step-up in basis is when you get the value. You don't have to pay a capital gains tax on the appreciation. So the spouse may inherit the assets, um, and maybe if done properly, perhaps the children uh, with a step-up in basis. Uh, so there is these capital gains tax issues. Now, there's also, we talked about a few weeks ago, there are different types of trust that we have to consider nowadays that we hadn't considered in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. And this is getting to be a trust that had nothing to do with public benefits planning. But remember, we talked about the SECURE Act and how that passed at the beginning of January of this year mm-hmm. on IRAs, where you would have more income tax or tax would be quicker because the children now would have to take out within 10 years. So now there's going to be some more people um, that are considering charitable remainder trust whereby the children can still take it out over their life expectancy, but the remainder goes to charity. Mm. So for those people who are charitably inclined, let's say they always tithe or they want to give to their church or their favorite charitable organization, then now we anticipate that more people will be discussing charitable remainder trust if they're concerned that their kids will just get they're just going to put their uh, their IRA, if it's a large IRA, will put them in a higher tax bracket because they're going to get their income quicker, which might mean an increase in Social Security uh, taxes and Medicare taxes and Medicare part, you know, all the Medicare D premiums. Everything mm. could go up because they're in, if they inherit in their prime, uh, you know, years when they're earning money, mm-hmm. uh, when parent dies, which is not is often the is often the case, mm-hmm. then. Then um, uh, this could be a concern for many people. So, if you are charitably inclined, uh, charitable remainder trust may become more in vogue this year because of the uh, change in the law. Where the um, anybody, there are some exceptions as we may have talked about. I think a few weeks ago on the Secure Act, uh, the exceptions on the Secure Act uh, is to stretch to being able to stretch it more is a surviving spouse. Um, if you have a child who is a minor, if you have a disabled 
individual like a child, if you have a chronically ill individual, mm-hmm. uh, if you have somebody that's within 10 years of you. So there's lots of different different things. So yes, there's uh, a lot of different tax issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, a revocable trust uh, can address that, but you could also have an irrevocable trust that can address that. Mm-hmm. So there's different um, uh, lots of different types of trust, as you can see, as we're getting kind of complicated already. Mm-hmm. When you make that, uh, when you make the statement, and you see, when you do a trust, you have to figure out a lot of times who do you want to tax. So, if the on a revocable trust, if you could always revoke, you can, or amend, or if you even have an irrevocable trust, if you have elements of control, then you could design the trust where it could be taxed to you individually and still have a step up in basis. Uh, now, on the other hand, some people may want to have uh, an irrevocable trust for various reasons, uh, and so if you have an irre- a truly irrevocable trust that you have no elements of control, then it's going to be taxed to the trust. And on the other hand, also, if you want the, the beneficiary to be taxed, you could give them elements of control so they could be taxed. So there's different ways that you have to figure out which way is important to the what's the goals of the client mm-hmm. to see whatever it is to try to, to achieve different things. I've always so, enjoyed the analogy you've made, which creates theater of the mind for me and the audience, I'm sure. And it's real simple. You talk about the boxes within the box. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. That when yeah, you yeah. So yeah, because there's all sorts of different. So a lot of times, you know, we just talked about uh, a second ago about the uh, person who had a um, larger or uh, a, a larger than most size of estate. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my clients don't have that large of an estate that we talked about just a minute ago, where you talked about estate tax planning. Uh, we do that we're con- is concerned about most people are maybe concerned about maybe step a, a step up in basis maybe they're concerned in this case about this uh, charitable remainder trust that we kind of talked about just a second ago because of the IRA laws that have changed mm-hmm. but most people you think of as with a revocable trust now on the other hand we talked briefly about irrevocable trust so there are a couple of several different ways you could use irrevocable trust in public benefits planning mm-hmm. so for example if you're seeking Medicaid uh, the why Medicaid, if you needed long-term care Medicaid, they look at your assets. Mm-hmm. So what if you put elements of control, so from a stat- tax standpoint, it's still considered yours, but the trust is irrevocable. Now, this is traditionally done when people uh, are planning in advance. They don't have adequate uh, long-term care insurance or they don't have adequate income then they could put their assets subject to a five-year look-back period. What does that mean? Uh, If the government says if you made a transfer, we think you did it on purpose to reduce your assets so that they would help pay for care like nursing home care or perhaps care at home. Mm -hmm. So you have to put some – be careful on the way you you do the trust uh, so that there's – so from a tax perspective, it's yours, but from a public benefits perspective, it's not yours because it's irrevocable. So there's one – that's one type of trust. And so Medicaid allows that. But on the other hand, veterans' benefits wouldn't allow that. So uh, so if you're a wartime veteran uh, or you're the widow of a wartime veteran, you could do a different type of irrevocable trust. Uh, VA benefits has a three-year look-back period. Uh, now, but if you were otherwise eligible for VA, 
then you could make a transfer to a trust. So this is typically used when you have a homestead. Uh, a homestead doesn't count for VA benefits. For VA benefits, you the most that you could keep is $129,094. Uh, but a home doesn't count. But if you sold the home, just like for Medicaid, it becomes a countable asset. Mm -hmm. So if you put the home in a certain type of trust, where at first, here at the first box, is it's still like it's yours, even though it's irrevocable. So you have some those elements of control, a right to occupy that trust, that, uh, that home. Uh, and so for tax purposes, it might be still considered yours, and then if you sell the home, it automatically goes into the ir a different box, the irrevocable portion of the trust, right. and, and, and where there's no elements of control. So for veterans' benefits, uh, you have to do things differently than for Medicaid. And there's some controversy for Medicaid whether you could put a home in a trust. So generally, uh, a lot of times, so far in Texas, they haven't given us a problem, but there was a case in Massachusetts where uh, they did give the uh, person who applied for Medicaid a problem by putting the home in the trust. Uh, we would usually kind of, come, come to the conclusion, because of this Massachusetts case lately, that we have considered saying, oh, if you plan on selling the home, then go ahead and put the home in the trust. Uh, because we could have it where there's no adverse tax consequences. But if it's not, we could do what's called a ladybird deed into the trust after your passing, mm. So which is a, an enhanced life estate deed, which is to avoid Medicaid estate recovery so that the property, the home that is, because uh, the home doesn't count for Medicaid, but this government might have a right to make a claim against the home mm -hmm. after death to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Lady Bird gives you complete control while you're alive, correct? That's right. Uh-huh, okay. uh-huh, yeah. Very yeah. good. Um, it is about control. Uh, the question is, do you trust your trust? Do you trust yourself? Do you trust your attorney? I shouldn't necessarily say that, but maybe he missed something. Maybe he forgot something. Nobody's perfect. Um, and I wonder if you should wonder about your estate plan right now. Mike talks about trusts and boxes and boxes, and it can be very complicated, but there's a lot of solutions thanks to people like Michael Cohen. And it's just fascinating to sit here and hear him speak. Never looks down at his papers ever. He has them as little gentle reminders, but... This is straight from his heart and straight from his head because of his decades of knowledge and experience. And he's the right person for you to go to. And the way to do that is to attend Michael's next workshop, which is unfortunately sold out on February the 15th. Um, but there is one on March the 7th, which is a Saturday. And there's also one on March the 26th, which is a Thursday. Can you talk about those workshops, Michael? Yeah, and as far as the February... Uh, 15th workshop. Uh, you could probably call and see if uh, some people have had to rearrange their uh, schedule sure. or whatever. Get on the waiting list. You have nothing to lose. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. But uh, but what happens at each of these workshops is we ask people what they want to know. And it could be any number of things. Uh, it could be, you know, here we've just talked about several different types of trust, and mm -hmm. we still have a lot of others to go over. Mm -hmm. But the 
the the bottom line is it could be about wills, it could be about powers of attorney, it could be about uh, Medicaid, it could be about VA. Who cuts your could, hair? Can they ask you who cuts your hair? They could, and and he's been cutting my hair uh, since the days I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're happy with him. But all getting aside, they're free workshop, of course. Yeah, right? they're free estate planning essentials workshop. Mm-hmm. We ask people what they want to know, and then we write it on a board and we answer those questions in two hours, at which you will see will fly by very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually it's kind of a, a, a dialogue, which is kind of like you're asking me questions, people ask me questions, and we just kind of go through and try to explain wherever it is. You know, here today we've talked about some pretty complicated issues, and I really don't expect everybody to remember these things. It's just the idea is to know that there's different things that can be done. So uh, we ask people what they want to know, and then um, from there – uh, we go through and answer those questions over two hours. The You'll see that the time flies by. You'll learn a little bit, and you're going to have some fun along the way. And this way, it's no obligation. You just kind of see what it is that you want to know. If you do go to a free estate planning essentials workshop, not only do you get the free KWM coffee butt mug but and chip clips and pens, which I think is what the real reason why a lot of people go. But if they, if you just want to go for the education, which I guess the minority of people do, but if they did want to go majority, for majority, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> if they did want to go for the free estate planning essentials workshop, also if you uh, decide think that there's something that you want to know more about after the estate planning essentials workshop, then uh, we will set, schedule a free vision meeting, no obligation. We would go over your own individual situation to see if there was something that was bothering you or if you wanted to protect your loved ones because we think that the reason for estate planning is because of us, uh, your family. It's not necessarily about necessarily protecting your money or assets. It's really that we're protecting our families, our loved ones, to make things as easy as possible for them and to protect in case bad diff- bad things do occur because we never know if somebody's uh, going to be disabled or if somebody's going to be divorced or somebody's going to have creditor issues or somebody's going to die first or if there's you know or if there's laws that might change there could be tax issues uh, it could be any number of things and so it's just a matter of whether how much protection you want and it's, it's different levels for different people. And what your goals might be would be different than your next-door neighbors because everybody's situation is different. Everybody has a different DNA. Exactly. So uh, anyway, so we talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. So you do go to the free uh, two-hour workshop. Not only do you get that, but that free vision meeting. In other words, three free hours of um Hopefully, some something, not some knowledge that you'll learn to see what your situation is, and to see if there's something that uh, is important to you that you may not have covered. The way to attend is to dial two one four seven two zero zero one zero two two one four seven two zero zero one zero two. But we all know in this day and age, people love to just do it online. They can size up Michael by looking at, at his web page. They can look at the about section, look at his background. Uh, look at his newsletters, which are all on there. His podcasts are on there, um, which is um, uh, basically a duplicate of this program. Uh, and that website address is DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. And you can sign up for the workshops that way and read all about what's happening in estate planning and government benefits. Yeah, you know, um, you mentioned the podcast, which um, – 
if you if you find any of this uh, interesting, um, there's a lot of the different things. Like we just mentioned, the Secure Act. Uh, we had talked about that on a few shows ago right. uh, earlier in January, right after the law change. So it could be that there be a show on the Secure Act that you may want to know about. It could be that there's another tickler topic. It's listed by topic. So uh, if there's something that you see that's of interest to you, then you might just listen to that at your convenience. But yes, um, uh, yeah, it's, we. I think you'll. I think you will see that. Uh, you'll enjoy the workshop. Uh, as you can see, we have been sold out, as we talked about just a minute ago. So if you are interested in going to that free estate planning essentials workshop, just call that 214-720-0102 number. Yes, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael, about four minutes left in this show. We talked about in the beginning there are seven kinds of trusts. Any mm-hmm. other ones you want to discuss? Yeah, I, since we only have a little bit of time, I'm going to briefly mention a few others just because that – there's not that much time. One is a special needs trust. Uh, if you're under 65 and you have assets, uh, and we, remember we talked about the five-year look-back period. Well, this is an exception to the five-year look-back period. So if you're applying for SSI, Supplemental Security Income, where the government helps pay uh, basically a lot of times for drugs and other things, then a lot of times people, or if maybe if you're disabled, uh, a lot of times people um, put their assets, either, it could be that they had a personal injury accident, it could be that they had an inheritance and they were disabled. A lot of times people create a self-settled, in other words, if it's your money, special needs trust. It's different than a third-party special needs trust, which you could do in your will or trust, which would not have a payback provision to the government, unlike a self-settled special needs trust. And similar to that, there's another thing, a type of uh, special needs trust called a pool trust. So there's a, so let's say that uh, there's a lot of people who have limited resources, and they, uh, what they wanted to do is they uh, say, oh, I want to get eligibility for public benefits, or maybe a parent wants to do that and they don't have either uh, enough money to have a bank be the trustee, or maybe there's not anybody that they trust to handle this the complicated issues of public benefits planning. Uh, so there is a uh, most states have a what's a pool trust where you pool the assets and there's all these thousands of disabled people that are part of the same trust and have joint accounts. On the other hand, if there's a similar to a special needs trust, there is a another thing called a sole benefits trust. So let's say that the uh, the your child is on social security disability, had worked for a period of time and then became disabled which is not means-tested, and let's say now you are going into a nursing home, uh, you could have a trust, and yet we are concerned about you and your control of money. Uh, You could have um, what's called a sole benefits trust, which has to be what they say is actuarially sound, where it makes distributions to you, Mm -hmm. Uh, and during your lifetime, that would actually um, create eligibility for you if you had too much resources for public benefits, yet it would not jeopardize that child's Social Security disability benefits. Lots of different types of trust. Way, way, uh, way. I, I know I'm Many. going through these things pretty quickly, and it gets kind of complicated. So this is what we were talking about before, that every there's, there's not one type of trust in the universe, and there's all sorts of different things you could do within each type of trust. Mm-hmm. So there's boxes, like you said, within the boxes. Uh, 
trust. If you have a revocable trust or an irrevocable trust, I didn't. I've only scratched the surface, and so you can see it gets a little bit complicated. But the bottom line is, we have to find out what it is that you want to protect against. Is it just avoidance or probate? Is it have to do with getting public benefits like Medicaid or not jeopardizing those Medicaid benefits? Is it that you're a veteran or the widow of a wartime veteran and you plan on selling your house? It, it, every situation is different, and so we have to go over that situations, those situations with you to see what is it's important to you. Exactly. Uh, there are two workshops in March. One's a Saturday and one's a Thursday. Sign up for either one today. Dial 214-720-0102. 214-720-0102. Go to com. Michael, regarding the trust today, thank you very much for the education. Thank you. Leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 214-720-0102.